we are in Matthew chapter 24. The reason we're in Matthew 24 is, again, just looking at the signs of our times. Is Jesus near? Is his return near? Is his coming near? What's going on in our culture? How do we apply what Jesus has to say about the word of God in our life, in our context? This is why we're hanging out in Matthew 24, because the question is in response to Jesus' declaration that the temple is going to be destroyed. The disciples ask this question, when are these things going to be? What's going to be the sign of your coming? Jesus walks through some very general, vague signs. And we've sat in the interpretation of that, a specific sign, the abomination of desolation. We sat in the details of that. But specifically, Jesus himself is the sign that we are looking for. We are keeping our mind and our hearts and our attention upon him. And after he goes through all of this information, he starts going through a variety of parables. Of He's just given us a teaching. It's thick. There's a lot of information. There's lots of prophecy being dealt with, Old Testament and New Testament prophecy. Now, Jesus, what do you want us to do with that information? And last week, we focused in that, that first exhortation that there is a certainty. Jesus is coming. His word will come to pass. His word is eternal. This world in which we live, the heavens and the earth are not eternal. They are going to go away. And we are told that our God is going to recreate a new heaven and a new earth. So all of this, this is all temporal. He is permanent. He is eternal. And as a follower of him, we need to learn, be his disciples, listen to his voice, apply these things in our lives. But this certain fact that he is coming. And now today we're going to turn into the uncertainty. There's a certain event that he is coming but there's the uncertainty in regards to the time of it, and we're going to sit in that information today. But his exhortation, the main thing today, is to watch and to be ready. And as we sang this morning in these variety of songs, and I mentioned this in our prayer, so first song that we sang, Open Up the Heavens, and the bridge, this repetitious Show us your glory and show us your power. What does that even mean? When you ask God for him to manifest, to show you, to reveal to you his glory, what are you looking for? Are you looking for that position of Isaiah? where the heavens were open to him and he saw the Lord seated on his throne, his glory filling the temple. Do you want that kind of supernatural experience? Some of you have had that type of experience or multiple experiences um, on occasion in your life as you follow the Lord where he has demonstrated to you his supernatural glory in a circumstance. Whether it was something that somebody said, whether it's just that, that moment where you know, you're all by yourself and you know that your creator was in the room with you. Those are, those are few and far between experiences in our life. 
But when we ask Jesus to show us his glory, are you only looking for the supernatural experiences? Or are you looking for the very natural way that he engages us in our daily lives? Listen to the other song. So there's cry to, for him to show us his glory and show us his power. We had a hurricane, Hurricane Laura blowing through. So when he talks about how he loves us, he is jealous for me. It's a very specific declaration of God's love for us. He loves like a hurricane. Think of this. I'm a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. I'm unaware of these afflictions in life, your daily circumstance, things that can be very hard. When he reveals himself to you, when he shows you his glory, these afflictions, they're eclipsed by his glory. Why? Because I realize just how beautiful he is. I come to this greater understanding of how great his affections are for me and for you. That we all get to declare together, oh my God, how he loves us. How he loves us. He's worthy of every song we could ever sing. He's worthy of all the praise that we could ever bring. He's worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for him. Jesus' name is above every other name. Jesus is the only one who could ever save. There's none like you. There's none beside you. Here's the prayer. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are. Fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Why? Because our lives are built upon his love. And here we are again, week after week, day after day. We stand in awe of you, Lord. We gather to lift up your holy name, Jesus. We lift our hands in praise. We lift our voices to call out to you. With one heart together, with one voice, we sing. Why? Because it's all about you, Lord. We surrender all. It's all about you, Jesus. We give you our all. I bring all that up because as we talk about the words of Jesus' exhortation for us to watch and to be ready, the word watch has the idea of being awake. Not watching, eyes are closed. And again, this isn't talking about physical life. There's our relationship with the Lord, being watchful. This is where we're in the state of preparation of, yes, we're crying out to the Lord. Lord, show us your glory. Show me myself. Give me a self-awareness of who I am, of who you've created me to be, of where I'm in line with you, of where I'm out of step with you, Lord. Show us you. Show us your glory. I'm watching. That's That's the watchfulness that he desires us to have. 
that we're looking for him. Yes, we need to be looking for the signs. Yes, we need to be engaged in our culture. But the watch that he has for us is on him. And the word being ready, it's being prepared. The idea is that each one of us was created for a specific purpose. So when you look at the idea of being ready in the Bible, there's, there's going and making a meal ready. What's a meal for? Well, it's being prepared. The, the table's set, the chairs are there, the food's there, all the implements are there. For what purpose? To eat, to have a meal. What are we being prepared for? What has he designed you for? And again, these are questions that we have for him. There's, there's some of us that, you know, we are engaged. We know that we're engaged exactly where the Lord has for us today. There's others that are asking that question like, Lord, I don't know what you have for me in this season. And this is this idea this morning is he's encouraging us to watch and to be ready. These are the ideas. We are looking for him and for him alone. Our attention, our wonder, Lord, show me your glory and show me what that question even means. What does it mean for him to reveal his glory to you today? How? Just this morning already, how has God demonstrated to you his manifest glory and the wonder of who he is as a being? Incredible. With that, as a run into, we're going to cover... Just a handful of verses this morning, but Matthew 24, verse 36, is where we kind of step into, not kind of, we step directly into the uncertainty of the time. He says, but of that day, so talking about the day of his return, the day of his coming, the day that he is setting up the kingdom of God forever and ever, of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven but my Father only. Just as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know the hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also... Be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. So, Jesus' exhortation, as he's given the information concerning the signs that we ought to be looking for of his near return, the specific sign of the abomination of desolation, the sign of him coming with the clouds of heaven and all of his glory and majesty. Now he's giving us the real practical information of what this means to walk out our faith in him in expectation. And this is the, this is the, the thing that we can say with 100% confidence. Jesus will come at a time that you do not expect. 
So if you think it's going to be tomorrow, it's not going to be tomorrow. That whatever date that you can attempt to name, whatever you think that you can reason through, we can say with 100% confidence, all it is is a guess. His return is certain. The day and the hour of it, it's going to be a time that is not expected. So, he says in verse 36, of that day and of that hour, nobody knows. He's quoting, we think, out of Zechariah chapter 14, verse 7, which says, It shall be one day which is known to the Lord. In Acts 1-7, the disciples are asking the same question, Are you going to establish your kingdom now? To which he responds to the disciples. It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put into his own authority. There's this idea here that we want to address really briefly in regards to Jesus' humanity. Jesus says that day and that hour, there's not a single human being that knows. There's not a created angel that knows. The only being that knows when Jesus is coming back is the Father. And this, this sits in the reality of, well, isn't Jesus God? How can, how can the Father know something and the Son not know something? This is one of those areas of meditation in regards to who Jesus Christ is. That our God who created the heavens and the earth, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Son was sent to be a man, just like you and just like me. This means that Jesus in his humanity was fully a human being. And this is, this is a huge doctrinal point. This is, this is one of those things that as we meditate on it, our brains kind of fizzle because we don't understand the reality of this. Philippians 2 tells us that Jesus didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he emptied himself. When Jesus was a man... How was it that he wasn't divine at the same? Again, these are, these are ideas that just our minds break at. But the reality that in Jesus' humanity, he was fully man. There was, he did not have the eternal mind of God and knew everything other than what the Holy Spirit revealed to him and what he needed to know in his humanity. Does that make sense? So as we watch Jesus in the Gospels and he knows what other people are thinking, he knows what other people are thinking, not because he is God, but because the Holy Spirit revealed to him what these other people were thinking in that instant. So here's the reality. In Jesus' humanity, he did not, he lacked this information. Today we would say as he returned to the Father, as he ascended back to heaven, as he now shares the glory of God that he had with God for all eternity past, that he let go of to become like us, when he ascended back, we assume that Jesus now knows the day and the hour of his coming because he's back fully God and fully man. Again, these are things that just, they just, they melt us. I camp on this in this idea as we talk about Jesus, as we look to him, as we learn from him, as we follow him, as we read the stories about who he is and what he did. As we look at the pages of the Gospels, we are looking at Jesus fully as a man yet without sin. 
So in every single one of those interactions that we see in those stories, he's just like you and he's just like me. He knows what it's like to feel hunger and thirst and pain and anger and desire and all the, 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 the spectrum of emotions that human beings experience. He experienced them all without sin. Every single temptation that you and I deal with every single day, he experienced it all without sin. And the reality being that if it was a true temptation, like he could have denied the father, but he didn't. He never did. Fully man, just like you, just like me, yet without sin. The perfect sacrifice. Our God becoming like us for the purpose of dying the death that each one of us deserves. And that death being accepted. It's, it's a hidden point in here as we look at how is it possible that Jesus didn't have information that the Father had. Well, the reality is, as a man, he was truly fully a man. And again, that's, that has so much, as you follow Jesus through the Gospels, that has so much weight into the reality of his life experience and how it communicates our own life experience. But he gives us, okay, nobody knows the day or the hour, but here's signs that we can be looking for. As the days of Noah, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. And this is where... Um, very generally, as Jesus speaks here, it seems that he's just describing normal life. That people are eating food. We eat food every day. That's normal life. People are drinking. We drink every day. That's normal life. People are being, men are getting married. Women are being given in marriage. This is just going through normal daily life. So it seems to be that Jesus is saying, just as it was before the flood, Nobody knew the day or the hour of the flood. Everybody, the whole, all of humanity was going about their normal daily life until that day came and then what happened? Sudden destruction. Even though Noah was given some information, some general times, 120 years from the day that that revelation, we believe and understand what was being communicated there in Genesis 6. God gave man 120 years. Noah was building the ark and preaching righteousness for 120 years. Nobody listening except his wife and his kids. Eight people went on. The rest of humanity was caught all of a sudden going about their normal life. So that's one side of what Jesus is teaching. The other side is as the days of Noah. So is he being very specific that we need to look at what was going on in Genesis 6 in regards to what is going to be going on in the world prior to Jesus' return. And we can sit in that for sure. One of them, it says that man was being multiplied. So rapid population explosion. This is fascinating to sit in. In the year 1800, it took that long for human beings to reach 1 billion in population. It was another 130 years before humanity reached 2 billion. I think it was in 2011, you know, the statistics and all that kind of stuff, human beings reached 7 billion. In two years, in 2023, we're going to reach 8 billion. Today, this morning, the little, the little human count clock was 7.8 billion people, human beings multiplying throughout this world. But when human beings multiply, what, what else multiplies with human beings? 
Our hearts, our minds, our desires, our wants, sin. So the description of humanity at the time of Noah is that the, the, the thoughts and the intents of the heart were directed towards wickedness and towards evil. And this is where as we cry out to Jesus for salvation from that kind of mind that he would give us, and he does, he, he promises too, so we know. He gives us a new heart and a new mind so that we meditate upon righteous things, not wicked things. And then sitting in um, a violent time is the description that was given during Noah's days. And again, we can sit in this in our own culture and time about the increase of violence and all that is going on. So, as the days of Noah, we can look at the evils, we can look at the violence, we can look at the population explosion, and we can look at just life going on. As normal human life goes on, this is what is going to be like before Jesus comes. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be, he says there in verse 39. And then this idea in verse 40 that two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left, and two women in grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. And this is, this is what's really weird about studying the Word of God is that you can go and find people's interpretations and applications of the word that are in stark contrast to each other. And this is one of those passages. So the idea of taken, there's many that are going to sit on the side, uh, the, the side of the interpretation saying that the word taken is that they're taken in judgment. So when the son of man comes, what are we told that that day holds for humanity? It's a day of judgment. So that they look at the interpretation being that they are taken in judgment. And then there's the other side, and I line up on the other side, is that they are taken to the Lord. There's possibly a description of the rapture in here. Others, some see it, some don't see it. But the word taken here, it doesn't mean where it uses the word that uh, when the flood came that they were taken away. That's one idea of uh, just something being, and someone being taken away. The word taken here means to be, to bring along with is the idea of taken. And the word left there means to be put behind in a place. So again, the, the language, the idea that one is going to be taken and another left. One is going to be taken to be and brought alongside of the Lord. And another is going to be left behind in their place. And again, this is all describing something that is unexpected in regards to the day and the hour that nobody knows. And then we get into the whole idea of watch. And I mentioned this before, the word literally means to stay awake, not necessarily focused on the physical side, but more in that spiritual, um, our connection with the Lord. The word means to be in continuous readiness and alertness now i want to read some verses i'll mention these we don't have time to turn to each one but it gives flavor to all of these passages will give flavor to what jesus is communicating when he tells us to be watchful so i encourage you write down the verse reference and then go back look at the context and study it out later so first thessalonians chapter 5 verse 6 Paul is encouraging the Thessalonians, therefore, let us not sleep as others do, 
but let us watch and be sober. Peter, in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, picks up on this idea of being sober. Be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Again, this watch and be sober. We need to be sober because we need to be vigilant because we do have an enemy that is seeking our destruction, seeking to devour him. Watchfulness requires us to be in resistance to him and to those temptations. Watchfulness means that we are to be steadfast. Watchfulness means that we need to have information. We need to know that the life that you were experiencing, it's the same life experience. Details may be different, but the major categories are being experienced by your brothers and sisters throughout the world. In Acts chapter 20, so this is as Paul is encouraging the Ephesians elders as he's on his way to Jerusalem. Paul says, also, from among yourselves, from within the church, men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch. And remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone day and night in tears. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, Paul encouraging the Corinthians, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong, let all that you do be done with love. Last one, Revelation chapter 3. Verse 2, Jesus says, Be watchful. Strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come to you as a thief. And you will not know what hour I will come to you. So look at, just in general, look at all these ideas that come out with the, the, the word of being watchful, being continually ready and alert with our attention and our mind on Jesus, on his glory, on who he is, on what he's done, on what he is doing, on what he's promised, not sleeping, not with our eyes closed in the world, but engaging the world in a way that's awake, with soberness, with vigilance, in resistance where resistance needs to occur, realizing that the devil himself is seeking to devour us. At the same time, there are men and women, even within congregations, that are going to be speaking perverse things to draw away followings after themselves. Our watchfulness requires us to stand fast in faith in Jesus Christ. In that standing, he is the one that causes us to be brave and courageous. He is the one that gives to us his strength because we have to confess that we are all weak. Everything that we do needs to be done with love, 
We all realize that we're utter failures in that. So it's Jesus that the one is revealing to us his love. And as he manifests his love to us, we want nothing more than to to radiate that same love into this world. And our watchfulness, we need to hear his words to strengthen the things that he has already given to us. Strengthen the things that you have. Strengthen the things that remain. As Jesus examines the works of your life, are there things that he would say that I have not found your works perfect before God? I know that he'd say that to me. What's his exhortation to me? Hold fast, keep trusting in me, repent. Turn around, turn away from those things that are fruitful, fruitless. These all have the idea of that flavor of what it means to watch. So, In Revelation 3, he brings up this idea that if you will not watch, I'll come as a thief in the night. And this is what he is teaching the disciples in Matthew, back in chapter 24, verse 42, to watch, therefore, you do not know what hour your Lord is coming, but know this. So giving us a a parable, a teaching here. If you knew, you're the master of your house, if you knew when the thief was going to come. You would have watched and not allowed your house to be broken into. And this idea of Jesus coming as a thief, he mentions it to this church there in Revelation. In Revelation 16, verse 15, Jesus says it again, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Powerful imagery. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul says, you, know, uh, you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. Peter picks up on the same language in 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 10. He says, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. And do you see a theme here? This, this teaching that Jesus gave to the disciples, this is something that sunk into their hearts in regards to his coming that they remembered. And not only did they remember it, they continually taught it in the body of Christ. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God? Because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Lot deeper flavor as we sit in the, uh, the fruitfulness and the meat of God's word in regards of what it means to watch and at the same time what Jesus is communicating that his coming is going to be like a thief in the night. For those who are not expecting the thief, the thief would catch them by surprise. Jesus 
exhortation to each of us in our watchfulness as we are attending to him, as we are watching for him, as we are watching for him to reveal himself to us today, not just as his coming is. We are watching for him to provide for us, to protect us, to lead us in our daily life. In our watchfulness, he is encouraging us that that day will not catch us by surprise. Because again, he's already given us the information of the things that we need to be watching for and paying attention to, that we know that his return is near as we, as we look at this world. That this day when he shows up, we won't be surprised. However, there is a certain, unex, you know, there's a certain reality that the day and the hour itself are unexpected. Yet at the same time, there's this, it's both are true at the same time and go ahead and you reconcile that out yourself because there's this, it's unexpected yet he's expected. There's this, you don't know the day or the hour and that you do know the times and the seasons and we have to mesh these together as we follow Jesus as we're keeping our eyes and our attention on him. So not only are we to watch, but we are to be ready. And again, this word be ready, the emphasis of what it means is that you have been designed to serve a specific purpose. In our readiness, in our watchfulness, in our alertness, it's Lord, what have you created me for? As we interact in life as we travel down the road of time even today you are going to run across a person you're going to run across the circumstance where you don't know what to do you don't know whether to say yes or to say no you don't know whether you're supposed to say something or you're supposed to be quiet and this this idea of being watchful and be ready is lord you've designed me for a purpose and that purpose is to serve you and to bring you glory as you reveal your glory to me how do i need to serve this person in this moment in this context cuz today you may tell me to i want you to do this and tomorrow i'm going to i'm going to interact with the exact same person and you're going to tell me something else to do that's going to be of service to you and it's going to be of service to them that's this idea of readiness but it's not it's not watch and be ready for all hell to break loose on earth to have your food and your guns and again there's there's wisdom in preparation in emergencies people that just got nailed with a hurricane in texas and in louisiana Anybody who was prepared for that, we would consider to be wise. Anybody who didn't take any means of preparation, we would call them a fool because the news was there, the signs were there, the storm is coming, nothing is going to stop it from coming. Be prepared. Prepared to interact with whatever the Lord brings across your path today or tomorrow. You be ready why the son of man is humanity is coming at an hour that you do not expect it's an hour that you don't think about that you're not going to suppose that you're not going to assume that you're not going to imagine that you're not going to consider very specific so again the reality of this teaching is even say that i believe that jesus is going to come back in my lifetime and i do believe that i have to hold it with open hands 
Because as we continue the rest of Matthew 24 and get into 25, when you deal with the parable, the wise and the foolish virgins, all 10 of them are expecting the, the bridegroom to come in that parable. Five of them are ready and watchful. The other five, it says that they're foolish because the bridegroom came at an hour before they were expecting as you get into the parable of the talents, it's this idea that the master is coming back at a time later than expected. The lazy servant was expecting the master to come back quickly and didn't have to worry about being responsible with what he was given. So as we sit in the coming of the Son of Man, Jesus hits every single one of our ideas. I have no idea when he's going to come. He hits that. I don't think he's going to come yet. He hits that. I think he's going to come really soon. But he's not going to come for a long time. He hits that. He hits all of these ideas. And this is the idea that I want to end with this morning. I read this in a commentary and I thought it captured exactly what Jesus is communicating. And at the same time, it captures the contrast between a heart that is watchful and ready and a heart that is just closed. The worship team, you can come on up. And this guy said, Christians are to watch, not like astronomers through a telescope or guards watching on a closed circuit TV screen, but like lovers who can't wait for another glimpse of the beloved or captives in a labor camp longing for the day that will allow them home. Sit in that heart again. Do you know what it's like to be in love with somebody? And you just can't wait to see them, to hear from them, to receive a letter from them, to spend time with them. That's this idea of being watchful and ready. Be like a lover that can't wait for another interaction of the one that you love. Or... Do you know what it's like to feel trapped? Like you have no way out. Unless the almighty God intervenes in this situation, there is no way out. That idea of captivity, like a captive in a labor camp longing for the day that will allow them to go home. Here's the... Here's the Here's the application. God can guide expectant Christians. If you are watchful and you are ready, you are open to direction, ready for the unexpected. And can we all say amen to that? How many of you in your daily life, we can't predict what's going to happen this afternoon, what's going to happen tomorrow. We run across unexpected events every single day and the exhortation of somebody who is watchful and ready that that heart that mind that life that believer is the is the believer that can be guided through those unexpected times whether that uh, that time is something that's good or something that we would be uh, defined as bad and the contrast is but those devoid of expectancy are very hard to shift.
I want you to think about that for just a minute. When you don't expect God to speak to you, when you don't expect God to respond to your prayer, when you don't expect God to reveal his glory to you, when you don't expect God to provide for you, when you don't expect God to change you, to transform you, to save you. For all of us that have gone through life experiences where we are not expecting God to act, was your heart easy or hard to move? Was your behavior easy or hard to change? If I don't think God's in this room, if I don't think God is with me as I'm working throughout the day, if I don't think God is with me as I'm interacting with my wife and my kids, if I don't think God is in this room right now, I'm not surrendering, I'm not being molded, I'm not being transformed, I'm not offering my life as a living sacrifice to him, I'm doing my own thing. And I know exactly what that's like because I ebb and flow out of that heart all the time because I'm a human being just like you are. But if I'm biblically watchful, standing in faith, attention on Jesus, Jesus, show me your glory. As we worship over the next 10 minutes, Lord, would you show us your glory? We all want to have that that supernatural manifestation where you just rend the heavens and that you would descend in this room and that, that physical form of the dove and just that you would rest upon us in all of your majesty and all of your glory. God, I want that. But if that's not your will in this moment today, Lord, we're asking that you'd still reveal your glory. Show us who you are. Show us your majesty. Show us your power. Show us your truth. Show us your love. Show us you. Enable our minds and our hearts, Lord, to be watchful, to be awake, to be alert, to constantly be looking for you, to be listening to your voice submitting every last aspect of our lives, not just the big things, but all the daily nuances, Lord. You're there and you care. Your love is like a hurricane. Nothing is gonna stop it. Your love blows over us day in and day out, Lord, but in a way that's not destructive. Your love gives us life and your love gives us hope. Your love fills us with wonder and with awe. Show us your love. Show us your glory. Keep our hearts in that position of expecting you to act, of expecting you to come. Because, Lord, I know that when my heart is in that position, I'll be ready for whatever you have for me today. At the same time, Lord, I know that if I'm not expecting you, if I'm not attending to you, I can drift. My heart can become like stone. Lord, in my heart of hearts, that's exactly what I don't want. Show us yourself. It's in Jesus' name we pray.